Good morning and welcome to Subject ACT, 2XXFM's signature current affairs program where we delve into issues from an informed and community perspective. It's Monday the 11th of April. The leaves are certainly changing to fiery hues now. My favourite season indeed. I'm Becca Posterino. Today we meet two inspiring businesswomen from the ACT with a vested interest in empowering women, particularly in business. I met with Kylie Travers, author, writer and speaker on finance and human rights. Kylie overcame overwhelming personal adversity and shares her story of success with the love and support of family and friends. I also spoke to Lisa Lamartre, entrepreneur, massage therapist and creator of Canberra Wise Women, a forum for local women to inspire by sharing personal stories. Coming up next, author and writer Kylie Travis. You're listening to Subject ACT 2XXFM 98.3. Lovely to have your company this morning. I'm Becca Posterino. Today I'm talking to the inspiring Kylie Travis. She's the CEO of Acasio Enterprises, author, writer, motivational speaker on finance and overcoming obstacles. Welcome to the program, Kylie. Thank you for having me. Kylie you're a, a single mum of two daughters, a survivor of domestic violence, rape, and you've overcome a multitude of obstacles to pursue a successful and inspiring career. How important is it for a woman to remain true to herself when enduring adversities? I think it's crucial. I think in uh, my situation, particularly in my uh, abusive marriage, I sort of had lost myself. And it was when I sort of discovered who I was and that I was important and gained some confidence and started focusing on myself and being true to myself that things went really bad in my marriage but the life that I managed to create coming out of that is just phenomenal like I can't even imagine I couldn't have imagined something good as what I have now and it wouldn't have happened if I hadn't done what I knew I needed to do and if I hadn't listened to like my inner self and followed that path. So you are a survivor Kylie, I would call you a survivor and an inspiration to many women. What gave you the strength and courage to overcome and thrive despite these major obstacles? I'm really fortunate. I think I have a very close family. Um, I'm one of nine children and uh, my parents sort of raised us to be each other's best friends. So I had that family support even though I was interstate. I didn't tell them at first a lot of what was going on, but as I did, they obviously helped think they could and have been supportive the whole way and uh, my sisters actually have done a lot in regards to my business helping me with writing and um, assisting with my, my childcare, like with my children and things like that. A huge thing for me was making the decision to move back to Canberra. So I was living in Sydney when I separated from my now ex-husband and when things went really bad and it wasn't an area that I could stay in, it wasn't an area that I could grow. I knew if I stayed there, I, I would have eventually killed myself. I couldn't have handled it there. I had no support there. It was his stomping ground sort of thing. Mm. And so I knew that I had to find the courage to find a way to get back to Canberra so that I could be with my support network and start over. And it wasn't easy, but I, I managed to do that. And yet once I got back to Canberra, it was amazing the support that I had there and mm. the ability to grow there and start my life over. Uh, it was huge, particularly yeah, for my family and then childhood friends that I had in Canberra as well. I just think Canberra was, for me, definitely the place that I needed to be. Tell me about your role as CEO for Acasio Enterprises. I'm yeah, Acasio Enterprises. Acasio. Yeah. So Acasio is Latin for um, opportunity. And what I do mostly is oversee things. With We do social media marketing. We create 
collaborative campaigns between social media influencers like bloggers and Instagrammers and that with brands to get exposure for everybody. And uh, I also do, with Ocasio, a lot of public speaking and, as you mentioned, like I'm an author and writer and things like that. So, yeah, but the bulk of it has been social media so far. But we're moving more into doing more with the finance side of things and a lot more speaking. Is that something that you discovered through your marriage or was that something that you were invested in professionally before your marriage or is that something that sprung out of the adversity? Your it, it came because of the adversity really. Uh, I was actually a hairdresser when I got married. Yeah, so complete change. Uh, I had a little bit of time off when I had my daughters and I was really unhappy in the marriage, unhappy with our finances. He was working all the time so he never got to see our daughters and I made the decision that if I could be a millionaire by the time I was 30 then that would ease our financial situation and, and things would improve and I sort of hoped that the relationship would be better under those circumstances as well. So I started writing about what I was doing to make and save money, which resulted in a book contract from Wiley Australia. They asked me to write um, 365 ways to make money and then I got asked to do public speaking and freelance writing and all this stuff started to happen. And so then in 2014, after I'd left my now ex-husband and sort of started over, that's when I launched the company because everything that I'd been doing up until that point uh, had created a really good launching pad. Mm. So I had all the connections with influencers. I had all the connections with brands and they were wanting to be connected. And so it just made sense to be doing that through a company instead of just ad hoc here and there. What are some of the obstacles young women face in a, in a modern world? I think that today we still second-guess ourselves. Like, we're still raised with the voice inside our head and well, everybody else telling us that we should be demure and you shouldn't shout out what you're good at or talk about your accomplishments or go hard after your goals. There's still the things like you throw like a girl, like those sorts of things are still said. And so I think women are still put back in that way. I can see it's changing a bit with with my daughters. Uh, They're definitely, I think, more confident and outgoing than a lot of other kids were I guess at the age I was my parents were quite encouraging about us going after our goals and being successful but a lot of my friends parents weren't Mm. and so I think that sort of stays with us with us throughout our lives and then on top of that when women do get past that sort of inner voice and do get into successful roles we're faced with adversity the whole way along a good example is the recent cartoon for a CEO I can't remember the exact details but it was basically insinuated in a cartoon that she'd slept her way to the position Mm. and that sort of thing happens a lot and then if you get into that sort of position and if a woman expresses her opinion or quite adamant about something that she thinks should happen we're seen as bossy whereas if a man does it it, that's what's expected of a man so I think we still face a lot of those sorts of things which can really set back our careers and set back what we're wanting to do and cause us to second guess ourselves or not go after things for fear of the adversity. Prejudice and I guess the inequity of you couldn't possibly have done it on your own merit. Exactly. So why is it so important to listen to the wisdom of older women, for example? What do they have to offer women of all ages? Well, they've, they've been there and they've done it before. They've faced a lot of these things. I think we too quickly dismiss a lot of older generations because they didn't grow up in a digital era or, you know, they think we didn't. they didn't face what we're facing now. When in reality, that sort of sexism and those ad- that, that adversity has been around forever and they faced it in different ways and so many of them have such great wisdom in how to handle it in a more in a better way instead of mm. being aggressive and being successful about it and just how to manage situations without being over the top and spreading it everywhere like gossip and mm. I see 
I see so many people taking everything straight to social media. Not the way to do things. Like if you have an issue, you know, talk it out first or whatever. But I think, yeah, older women are very wise and they've they've seen a lot and they're very observant. Yeah, they just know a lot more than I guess we know at our age. And Mm. yes. They know a lot more than we give them credit <laughs> sometimes. Oh, absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. They often will sit back. Like I know my Omar and my Nan um, don't often express as much as what they could. Sure. And then it's like later it'll be like, yeah, I knew that was going to happen. Like, no, they needed to learn that bit for themselves. And I think that's the other thing. They sort of will judge when it's appropriate or when the advice is going to be accepted sure. and yeah, when it's not. Why is retelling your story so important for you? I think in the beginning, uh, it was partial therapy as well for myself. But the main thing was there was just no help out there. Like when I left my ex-husband, I had no idea where to go. I had no idea what help was available um, or what to do. And then the more I started talking about it, the more I found there were so many women in my situation who had come from you know middle or upper class incomes and backgrounds who just didn't know how to use Centrelink, didn't know what charities offered or what to say or what to do or where to go. I was fortunate in my situation. I had a friend who was a generational welfare recipient. And so her and her mother helped me out a lot in where to go. I still didn't get a lot of lot of assistance. Like I, I needed a refuge and I couldn't get one because my ex-husband was deemed too violent that we'd put other people at risk. I didn't even know who to call. And so she helped me through that. Yeah, I found through telling my story and because I had somebody to sort of step me through it, it means that I've been able to help a lot of other women in those situations mm-hmm. who didn't know where to go for help. I've actually found through a couple of my websites that that's where most of the search terms come from. It's basically, you know, how do I get help? What do I do once I've got a concession card? Those sorts of things. And it's emails that I'll get are from women who are looking for that sort of assistance and they found it because of my story. They've seen me sure. on, through media or they've Googled and I've popped up and it's because I've shared a snippet of my story uh, they feel comfortable reaching out to me and talking to me. And I've had a lot of people to actually say their sister or somebody is in a similar situation and what do I do? And because I've, I've been through it and I'm open about it, I'm able to direct them where to go for help. And it's, it's been interesting because a lot more people, I think, are talking about it now than when I left in 2012. Uh, Rosie Batty's been huge for that. Obviously. And I think we are at a turning point where people are starting to get it and not let it be acceptable anymore. Yes. Like if you hear your neighbours arguing, they're going to step up and talk about it. And it's, I think, yeah, a big part of that is people like myself sharing their story. As uncomfortable as it can be sometimes, it's been really crucial in starting those conversations or putting the seed in somebody's mind so that when they're in that sort of circumstance or when they hear about somebody in that situation, they can help. Whereas before, yeah, I just don't think there was enough information around. I guess you're like a trailblazer because these things were so taboo and still are in many ways, and for the voice to be actually heard or available, whether it's in a platform like community radio, like just having that access or insight that somebody else has not only just survived but actually thrived beyond this adversity, it serves Absolutely. as a great inspiration. So, Thank you. <laughs> I, think, I think a big part of it is too that like, it's such a traumatic experience that every time you have to share that story, you're reliving it, and most people can't. And, I mean, just to get out of that sort of relationship, like an abusive relationship, and start your life over is huge. Doing that takes so much energy and so much effort. Tremendous courage as well. Yeah, and I think people underestimate just how much it takes out of you to start rebuilding. Mm. And uh, often I've spoken to to many women who've been through similar sort of things, and they're like, oh, you know, they're either too, too scared to tell their story, which is completely understandable, or they don't feel 
in a position that they can because and, and they'll compare themselves to me and that I went through that and now I'm a CEO and I'm like, it's not about comparison. It's every person's story. Sure. That's their story and every person, it's, it's difficult for them, whatever stage they're at, and not just for domestic violence, like um, homelessness or mental health issues, like anything that anybody goes through that is, is traumatic, that's their story. Absolutely. And if we can share our stories, it helps everybody else and you don't have to go from, you know, like homeless to CEO or um, anything like that, just whatever it is that you got through, if you have the the courage to share that, it can help other people. But I completely understand two people not wanting to because it is so traumatic and it is so draining to to go over the story all the time. For people listening, it's also a comfort that they're not alone. And even if they aren't at that stage of sharing their story, just to hear yours makes them feel less isolated and less alone in the world. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a huge part of it when you're going through that sort of situation for for anything that anyone faces to know that you're not the only one going through it and to know that you're not alone and that there is help and support out there and that there is a light at the end of the tunnel is, is huge. I know when I was in the middle of all of it, uh, I don't think I could have coped that well if I didn't have some close friends who'd been through similar and were able to give a lot of advice and support. I'd just like you to share some wisdom with women of any background enduring complex obstacles, what can you share from your journey? My, my favourite quote that I've often used and that I held on to whilst I was going through everything was that I am not what happened to me, I am what I choose to become by Carl Jung. And I just, I focused on that because your story in your, so your past is just your story and you can choose to turn your life around and have it turn into whatever it is that you want to have it. It's not going to happen overnight, obviously, but you don't have to accept life as is or accept that your past defines you. It's part of you, but it doesn't define you. You're listening to 2XXFM 98.3. The program is Subject ACT for news on Canberra's local current affairs. That was author and writer Kylie Travis sharing her courageous story beyond a marriage of ongoing domestic violence. Coming up next, Lisa Lamatra of Canberra Wise Women, who wants to create a supportive community of women in the ACT through shared stories and realising business dreams. Stay with us now. You're listening to 2XX 98.3 FM on Subject ACT. I'm Becca Posterino. Lisa Lamatra is an entrepreneur, massage therapist, and creator of Canberra Wise Women. Lisa moved to Canberra 25 years ago to study at the Australian National University. Her journey from student to professional has made many interesting turns along the way. Lisa, welcome to the program. Thank you, Becca. Thank you for having me in. What did you study when you first moved to Canberra 25 years ago? I did a Bachelor of Science degree at ANU where I studied neuroscience, psychology and biology. So what were you planning to do when you first studied or did you not have a distinct plan? I thought I'd do neuroscience and become some type of neuroscientist and 25 years ago it wasn't very cool or very sexy to be a neuroscientist but now everyone's into neuroscience. (laughs) I was just ahead of my time. Yes, you were. Um, And then through the study I thought I'd do psychology Mm -hmm. and I got to the end of the degree and I was working full-time in retail to pay for the end of uni and I really wasn't sure what I wanted to do and my now husband but boyfriend at the time had been given a massage book as a present. I read through it and I went, oh, that'd be a really good thing to go and learn just as a life skill. How nice would it be to be able to help family and friends? 
So I went to CIT and I did their introduction to massage course and fell in love and that went, that's what I want to be doing. I want to be doing massage and my long-term goal was always to bring the psychology back into it and I'm probably getting to that point now in my career where I can start to bring all of my skill set together. Why did you love massage therapy so much? It's just really nice to make someone feel better. So someone comes in, you know, they've had emotional things going on or they've had an injury or they've got pain, headaches, and you can, you know, they can lay down, they can let forget about what the bad thing is or the, the pain or the problem is and they can leave feeling much better than they did when they walked in. It's, it's amazing. It's just, it's magical and it works on so many levels, the physical, emotional, it's a holistic there's no, you know, drugs, you know, we treat the symptoms, we give dedicated care to one person at a time, which I think Western medicine doesn't often do. And so it's just, it's a beautiful thing to share with people. You obviously have a passion for healing. Why is this form of therapy so important in today's world? I think people are so busy. So many people think, particularly with massage, because we do a lot of, in my practice, we do a lot of remedial and sports massage, which is dealing with pain. So a lot of people think that, For the massage to be any benefit to them, it actually has to hurt. Mm -hmm. Like if it's not hard, then it's not going to help me. And they don't actually understand that being gentle with themselves and being kind to themselves is so important. And I think that's where I'm at now, like moving forward in what I want to do in the industry and with my business. But it's just educating people. Like we push ourselves so hard, like we work long hours, we don't take holidays, we work through lunch breaks, we go to work early or and then we pick sports and activities that also push us, you know, people who run, who play football, who do CrossFit, all of those kind of things. And so many people just don't pay attention to their body, don't listen to their body. And that's one of the greatest gifts from massage therapy is that you actually gain body awareness. And that's a really hard thing for people to understand who don't have it. And the best analogy I've come up with over the years is for those people who are old enough and grow up with black and white TV, try and explain colour TV to someone who's never seen black and white. You can't, you've got to experience it. And that's what body awareness is about. And I think if everybody could have a massage once a month, the world would be an entirely different place. That sounds good. <laughs> and I, I can vouch for that uh, as a yoga teacher. It really is important to take care of your own body, particularly if you're taking care of others as well. And that's what we don't quite allow ourselves or entitle ourselves to take care of ourselves. Exactly. I think a lot of people feel like they have permission. Um, I've started writing articles recently for a a new publication called Fit Busy Mum. And that's actually one of the articles I wrote was about how mums can take better care of themselves. And in the article, I actually use the words, give yourself permission. And if you don't, I do. (laughs) I'm giving you permission now to take care of yourself, to make yourself a priority. I think people think it's an indulgence. No. If you take care of yourself, it enables you to take care for others and for the greatest society. Very much so. If, you, if you've taken care of yourself, then you're coming from this very high level vibration or energy space where you've got more to give. If you're depleted, then that's what you're sharing. You're sharing that depleted energy. You're sharing feeling tired and frustrated and overwhelmed. But if you have actually filled yourself up, you've taken really good care of yourself, then you're coming from that place of generosity and calmness and centeredness and balance. And that's a difference. And that's really important. And it's something that I've learned over the years as well. It's not something that I, you know, start with 25 years ago you <laughs> it's have to continually learn those things and Very remind so. yourself especially when you're a carer yourself as you are yes what are some of the many challenges women face in business and are these challenges different to what men experience 
I think so. I do quite a lot of networking around town in Canberra and, and Canberra's a great place to do business. I think there's a lot of advantages here in Canberra doing business than that you would struggle with in other cities that are bigger. I think at its heart, um, regardless of how modernised Canberra gets, Canberra's a big country town and that's our advantage and, and we need to be proud of that and we need to embrace that. But doing networking, yes, there are groups around Canberra like Chamber of Women in Business that specifically are for women, but a lot of the mixed events you go to, you're seeing probably 80 or 90% men and only 20 you know, 10 to 20% females at these events. And I think that's for a few things. I think women are more likely to, if they've got children, they're the ones at home taking care of the kids. They're probably the ones more likely to be doing housework and other activities. They're probably working part-time, you know, maybe they're transitioning between paid employment into their own business and working it across. And women, I think also, we're more likely to doubt ourselves. Mm. There's less self-belief, like it's the, the new venture I have, trying to find women to come and share their stories with us has been really interesting. I, I met a lady before Christmas who I would have loved to interview this year and she didn't think her story was good enough because women doubt and they compare and that's one of the reasons why I want to have the new venture that I have is so we can honour these stories and it's really important. Why do you think there's an issue with confidence and this sort of self-judgment that I've, I've noticed as well? I, I think it goes back to childhood. I think Depending on your age, I think girls coming through now definitely don't have the same as many issues. But I think women just are just told not to say how great they are, not to step out, not to show them, you know, step up. And I think boys are always told that they're great and they're pretty good. I've, you know, I have an older brother and an older sister, so I see the difference in our family dynamics as well. And obviously other friends I know, I think guys are more confident. They're more used to just working through it and bluffing where women want to know that they can do it all of it from the get-go and if we can't we really doubt ourselves instead of saying well actually we can learn on the job we can learn as we go and that's okay and we don't have to get it right first time and actually making mistakes helps us grow and helps us learn in society particularly in Australia making mistakes and failing isn't seen as a positive thing. There's no space or room to make error. No no. It's a cause of judgment perhaps as well and exclusion and yeah. yeah, yeah, no, it's not helpful. So, yeah, I think, and and I spend, over the years, I've spent quite a lot of time mentoring students coming through and that's one of the things I really like to share with them that they can do this and, you know, they've got skills to share and, and I learn as much from them as they, you know, I share with them. What are you most passionate about when it comes to women's issues? I think empowering women and teaching them confidence and, and showing them. And growing up, I suppose these are things that I lacked in some areas in some ways. And I, you know, I had workarounds. I would, you know, I can remember I used to do a lot of debating at school and I'd always go and be very particular the way I was dressed and the dressing and the and the outfit would help build my confidence. Presentation. And yeah, presentation would all build into that confidence building. So what are you most passionate about when it comes to women's issues? Empowering them and letting them know that they can do that can do it and if they make a mistake then that's okay they can learn from it it's not the end of the world and I think women too need to be connected to their intuition because I think quite often particularly if we're moving into um, areas where there's more men we turn off our intuition and that's actually one of our strengths and one of our gifts and if we can stay connected to that then we have an advantage not to say that men can't be intuitive but they're not as readily connected to it as women are because of our body and our cycles mm. and things. So we need to embrace those things that give us strength and not downplay them or forget them or ignore them or disconnect from them. 
Our difference can be our strength. Very much so, Not yes. our weakness. Yes, very much so. What do women do well? I think we do lots of things very well. I think we nurture very well. I think we communicate very well and we communicate in different ways. We're often more empathetic, more sympathetic. We read situations differently. Like there's lots of statistics out there to show that women in corporations actually improve the corporation. Women are CEOs. So we need to move through. People need to start at the end and move through. I don't know if people have read Lean In by Cheryl Sandberg. It's really good. She's the chief operating officer of Facebook and a lot of stuff around these issues, but also partly her story of her being in uh, corporate America where she's gone for a meeting, like a high-end meeting somewhere and in a boardroom and asked the male EA where the ladies' bathroom was and he's had to go and ask someone else. He'd worked there for six months and he'd never had a woman ask him where the toilets were because there were just no women at that level. She's, I think, only in her 40s. So these aren't stories from 20 years ago. These are stories probably from five or ten years ago. Yeah, women need to you know come in and and lean in also talks about women the title of the book means to lean in to lean into our careers and our paths and what we're actually capable of and women often we think about having babies and having families and getting married so we don't lean into our career and we lean back we go oh we won't take that promotion because in 12 months time we want to have a baby and then we're going to go on a maternity leave and we don't want to you know let the team down or whatever reason so when women do come back they're at a lower level in the in their industry and then it's not as interesting for them it's not as challenging for them they don't feel as worthwhile the pay is not as good and so we see less and less women not actually stepping forward and Australia actually has the most women who achieve a university qualification but that doesn't translate to women then in the workforce Mm -hmm. so what's happening to the graduates whether they're getting married at that sort of age 23 to 25 and then staying at home and working part-time to have a family but that needs to be translated into the workforce. What do we need to work on as women then? I guess this is a yeah. what you've just covered. I, th- I think it's just owning who we are and being empowered by who we are. And not. And this is something that I've learnt over the last few years in particular. But for me, being in the health industry, I see a lot of people out there now who are health coaches. And I'm sure, you, um, Becca, being a yoga instructor, you've probably <laughs> seen people too who have a health coach qualification. And not to downplay that training... I've got 18 years of experience in the health industry. Mm. But what I see with these health coaches is they're much better leveraging PR. They're much better leveraging their marketing. And I've sat back on that for quite a period of time because I think, oh, well, no. I relate to that. Yeah, I am doubting myself in my skill set and what I know. But now that I'm starting to go, no, well, I've actually have this really strong base of knowledge and expertise that I can share And if I see it in that light, instead of seeing it as a PR or marketing strategy, it's much easier for me. But so many people I know in business don't do that. They don't put themselves forward. No, they don't. They hide away. And then they wonder why they're not being successful. And it's a shift in a mindset. It's I have uh, another business colleague that I've been doing some branding, like workshops, design and things with him. And he's quite well known here in Canberra for branding. But we talk about people having a business mindset and a brand mindset. So people need to shift from being this small business, because the word small keeps you small. It's not a good word. <laughs> Language is important. Mm. To being a brand. Most people want to have a business owner or they're technically savvy like I was. I was a massage therapist and I wanted to do things differently to other people. So I've gone into my own business. When I look back now on what I know about business now to what I knew 18 years ago when I opened, my business knowledge was is, was really poor at the time. 
but I've spent a lot of time growing that and getting better at that. And and I think too, you've got to know where you have a weakness and be willing to go, okay, I need to learn skills in that area. And it's lean okay. In. Yeah, lean in. It's okay that I don't know that. It's okay I can ask for help on that or seek guidance or do a course, read a book. What would you do in the workforce? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, exactly. Businesses yeah. know, I mean, there is great difference between yeah. being autonomous or self motivating mm. to having a boss or a leader mm. sort of driving you but you're still recognizing those skills that you're you fall short on and yeah. instead of asking within the workplace maybe you have to actually go out which kind of broadens your horizons yeah it's as well yeah so I think it's about people owning what they know be willing to putting putting themselves out there and have a bigger picture and a bigger mindset than they currently have and you know have that brand you know I'm going to have something which lots of people are going to want I want to help lots of people and I think that that changes the energy too and I think people that go into business just to make money are not successful because mm-hmm. the statistics on being successful in business if 100 people started a business today in five years time only 20 of those 100 people would still be in business in another five years time after that so at the 10 year mark only four people out of that next 20 would be successful so over a 10 year period you've only got four percent of businesses mm. actually being successful so the dropout rate is really high and, and the motivation and the motivation the key it, yeah and you have to be passionate issue. about it if you don't really like what you're doing if you're only in it How to make money successful you're not you're not going to get through the really hard days mm. and that are hard days in business mm. Well, Lisa, thank you so much for sharing your story with us and inspiring other women to move out of their disbelief and into their potential. Yeah. Own your awesome. (laughs) Own your awesome. Sounds good. Thanks, Lisa. Thank you so much, Becca. You've been listening to Lisa Lamatre of Canberra Wise Women, who shared her dream to inspire women of the ACT to recognise and pursue personal and business goals. Thanks for your company today as we met some inspiring entrepreneurial women in the ACT. Next week, we talk to policymakers in the ACT youth homelessness sector and social activist Penny Lemus to discuss the importance of change in the homelessness space, particularly for older women. Tomorrow is Tuesday's edition of Subject ACT and coming up next, Community Broadcast Network's All the Best. You've been listening to Subject ACT on 2XX, 98.3 FM, every weekday, 8.30 till 9am. I'm Becca Postorino. Enjoy your day.